0: Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Before I start, I was just sitting there um, while worship was on. And um, so I just had this feeling that this thing is, is insane. This thing is ludicrous. It's wild and it makes absolutely no sense. But yet Jesus gives us so much to work for, so much to live for. And I felt like God... I feel like God showed me a verse that is my favorite verse. I read it all the time and yet he still reveals stuff to me. But Jesus, in, in John, Jesus is preaching to a crowd and the crowd leaves him. And he says to the disciples, don't you want to go? And their response is incredible. Where else are we going to go? What else can I, what else are you going to give for me? What else can we find in this world? The disciples realized something that we are all trying to understand now, that Jesus is the only one with the words of life. To a non-Christian, that makes no sense, but that's what we're on this journey to find out. What does that mean? What does it mean for Christ to have the words of life? I just really felt like that has got nothing to do with, or it has everything to do with what, we, what my message is. But I just really felt like God is saying to us, we need to understand what that means. What does it mean for Christ to be the words of life? That's a nice statement, but what does it mean? You know, in every situation of our life, what does that mean to us? What does it mean for Christ to be everything that we have? <sighs> okay. That was a free one to throw, just toss that out for you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come and move in this place. Father, we just ask your kingdom come here, Father, your will, Lord, in this place, Father. Anything that's not your will, Lord God, I pray right now that you crush it, Father. That you come and move in this place however you want to. We just thank you, Father, that we can meet here so freely, Lord, that we can come and just worship your glorious name, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All righty. the last uh, few times that i've spoken i've been really pushing something you would have noticed that we are on a on a journey at the moment of discovering jesus and i think that's a a journey we can stay on until he returns essentially but i think that that the church is very quick to to move past the teaching of jesus and yes it it flicks in from time to time but i, I just really feel like there's a a place that we're in now where we have to begin to understand Jesus understand who he was what he was the the reason he called himself certain names the reason he stood in in certain positions and i i really believe strongly that when we when we really understand the theology of who Jesus is the the his nature the makeup of who he is the church will begin to change and i i will never ever let this go until i die that that's what we have to do we have to change who we are and change who the church is through the lens of of Jesus. That was the message that Paul preached. Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I've, I spoke a few weeks ago about Jesus as the last Adam. I spoke the last time I spoke was Jesus the Son of Man, and today I want to I want to look at Jesus the Cornerstone. And I I really do believe that this is is where we need to be. You know that that this is is what the church has to become. So I want to spend a little bit of time explaining that language, the church. I want us to show who the church is and what we're, what that word is meant to represent. And then I want to explain who Jesus is in the church. So there's three questions that always come to me when thinking and, and talking about the church. And that is, who is the church? Where is the church? And why is the church? So through through Scripture we see the, the local church and the global church, an importance that was planting that local church, the power that the church held in bringing Jesus and bringing this, the, the message of God. So initially I want to start with who is a church, just quickly. So the, the word in Greek for church is ecclesia, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard before. The meaning for that word is a calling out, a called people. So the, the understanding that it's a people, not a place. It's a group of people. So it's a calling out of individuals, you and I. When we can understand that it's not about coming in, but it's about being, you know, that we are the church. As a called people, as a calling out of people, we are that ecclesia, the church of Christ. So a lot of the church, especially in the West, has, has gathered around a building or a person, a leader, or a, or a type of, of um, denomination, if you'd like. But what we see in the Bible is this ecclesia is an individual, a person, a group of people, a calling out of people. So that's the first point. that who is the church. It's you and I, individuals. The second thing I want that is there is where is the church? In the Bible we see, I think, four elements of the church. A gathered church, which is what we have here. A scattered church, which is where we're in our, our lives, in our jobs, our workplaces. We see a local church. And we see a global church. So we see all facets of, of the church in each of its operation. So we come together on a Sunday morning and gather together in... Um, I'm not going to go there because I'm just trying to lay something down. Hebrews 10.25, it talks about the fact that we must not neglect to meet together. That this gathering, the, the praising together, that, that corporate sense and that, arpening, that iron sharpening iron is important and necessary. That as we come together like we are. This is the gathered power of the church, sharpening one another, strengthening one another, doing life, communion together. We also see um, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul asks us to follow him as he follows Christ, to build our lives around the way that he builds his life towards Christ. Essentially what Paul is saying there is that that's your scattered church, that it's not just here on a, on a Sunday morning we come together and put our church hats on. That it's actually a scattered. It's a life. It's a day-to-day church-going. That that ecclesia is in every aspect of our life. So that's the church out there. Your workplaces, your sporting teams, your every aspect of your life is the scattered church. <clears throat> we also see the, the the local church, the churches that that Paul planted um, in Corinthians, in in the places that we see in the Bible church. Planning churches, local houses. Houses are just like this, like the church down the road, the church down the road, the church down the road, are the, the local embodiment of the church. So we all join a part of a house, but we also see a global aspect of that. The global church it talks in the Bible about the body of Christ, you know, one body, one aspect of church. So we see a, a very small, the local house, but we also see a very big church model. Is this making sense? Right. I know it seems simple, but that's the idea. Simple church. Simple, simple, simple. So local church, global church, gathered church, scattered church. All church. But you and I are church. What's the purpose of the church? To display the Holy Spirit, exercise the authority of Jesus, and reveal the heart of the Father to continue to build his body. So we come together for a purpose and a reason, not just some sort of club. There's a job we have to do. So we come together to accomplish something in the world. So we come together in a, in a, in an, with a mission to do. But also we come together in those aspects that there's a mission for our, our global aspect, our local aspect, our scattered aspect, and our gathered aspect. There's a mission that we want to achieve on a Sunday morning. But there's also a mission that I want to achieve when I go home. I want my friends and my family to see Christ in my eyes as we heard Mike speak about on Sunday. That's a that's a, a, a scattered mission for me. So all of us carry our own missions as the church that we build when we're scattered, but we also have a mission that we're building when we're gathered. There's something to do in every aspect of this of this church model. So the way that we need to understand it, the church is exactly that. It's not... We don't come to church on Sunday morning. I know that we use that terminology a lot. I strongly dislike it, and i I won 't use it because i don't I, I don't like the idea of it. We come together to celebrate who Christ is. The church comes on Sunday morning, so we gather the church gathers well they don't we don 't come to church because we are the church right so we can't come to something that we already are. The scattered come in and they gather for a purpose. One of my favorite um, theologian writers, A.W. Tozer, I think he's fascinating, but he wrote this and I thought it was awesome. He says, The church will produce a spiritual culture all its own, wholly unlike anything created by the mind of man and superior to any culture known on earth, ancient or modern. God is getting his people ready for another world and he uses the local church as a workshop in which to carry on his blessed work. That this here is a a workshop to sharpen us. The reason that we come together and we worship together, the reason that guys spend time in putting sermons together and preparing what they feel God's saying is because we're preparing the church to go back into the world and affect the culture in which... The world has put on people, right? So we have to, we have to look different. We, um, we play basketball on a Monday night, and I tell you what, it's hard to get into that place there because you're there to play basketball, you're there to win. But constantly I'm challenged to, okay, what's my mission here? What, what am I looking like here? What is, if I'm a scattered church and I'm in this place, what am I doing? Am I different? You know, does my culture look different? Does the way I speak look different? I was, I was challenged greatly. I've heard that story of Mike before where the guy said to him, I can see Jesus in your eyes. What an incredible, incredible testament to your life. You know, that someone could say, "Oh, this I don't know what it was with this guy, but I just saw love when I saw him. That's what we're trying to do here, you know. So now that we understand that, the church, I'm not speaking about our community. I'm not speaking about just us here, but the global church. The people, the individuals, Christians, are the church of Christ. Um, I will go there quickly. 1 Corinthians 12, 1227. So 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-seven. Let me just get there quickly. So 1 Corinthians 12, 27 talks about the fact that there is, is one body, now you're one body of Christ and individually members of it is essentially the verse there. But what, what Paul talks about in that if you read all of 1 Corinthians 12.12 um, 12 to 12.31 is that we are one body with, with many members. Theologians, um, much greater theologians than me, have have taken that verse and looked at the fact that that is a, a micro verse and a macro verse. So micro meaning small and zoomed in like this church here that we are one body inside here. But there's, there is there is a greater vision that Paul was talking about with that because he, he, he likens it to the fact that we are one body in Christ. He likens that to a macro, which is the world church, the greater, the church. We are one body in the church. So there are many facets. Of course there are many facets. There's many different churches that we see that have different giftings, that have different... Um, flavours, different um gifts, sorry, different different calls, different purposes, different missions. We can't be the guys up the road, but they can't be us. So we're meant to aid those guys and help them. Where they can't where they lack, we help. Where they where we lack, they help. Now that doesn't look sensational here on the coast. It doesn't look great in Australia and it's starting to change globally. But it, it needs to change here too. So part of what we're trying to do in this is to to gather other leaders, gather other churches together. What is what makes you tick? What's where are you heading? Where can we help? What can we do to help you? But what Paul is essentially saying here is that, of course, there are many body, there are many parts in the body, but we have to understand what who we are and what our role is. Stop trying to be the left hand when we're meant to be the right. <clears throat> okay, so now that we um, now that we understand the church, that's what that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the church. Can we go to Ephesians 2.20, please? Something that I was was thinking about while Mike was here was that, and I did did say it quite a bit, but I wanted to to just take a little bit of time to break it down, is that we we talked about the fact that Mike isn't a um, guest speaker, but he is an apostle to this house. And I realized that that language without breaking that down, doesn't mean anything. That saying someone is an apostle but not actually expressing what that looks like in the house doesn't actually mean anything. So I want to spend a little bit of time explaining that and then, I want, and then I'm going to get into the cornerstone. I know that there's a lot of pretense, but I'm, trying, I'm going to draw a bigger picture. So Ephesians 2.20, I'm going to read the whole verse, but I just want to focus on this part for the, for the moment. 2.20 says, Build on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, to me, initially that made no sense, why we would build something and then put Christ on top of it. But as I begin to understand and and dig deeper into this thing, I I began to, God really showed me what what that verse is saying, what it means to actually build on the apostle and the prophet, which is what Brad um, has shown me. And then we've sort of grown it in a crossing point. Then when we merged, it kind of grew into a different, and now we sort of have this thing that we're trying to explain, but I don't think we've explained it well. So I want to attempt to do that. To build on the apostle, the apostle, the Greek, the, the Greek in the apostle means the messenger that is sent. So you'll hear, you, when you look at Paul in, in the Bible, you see Paul go into a place like the Corinthians, plan a church, put elders in place, and then he leaves. Because he, he plants the church based on the message that God gave him. So he's based on the message, the, the, the vision that God show, showed him in that city, in that town, for that region. He plants the church, then he puts other leaders in charge to run the church. So the vision that, that he sees from God is then planted in there. Now it says to plant on the to, the, the foundation is the apostle and the prophet. So he talks about the Greek for the, the prophet is a, for, a foreteller or an inspired speaker is what the Greek translates that word into. So if you look at a, an apostle, the gift of an apostle is a messenger that is sent and the gift of a, a prophet is an inspired speaker. So both of those two gifts, the apostle and the prophet, carry what? The vision of God. They see the vision of God and that's what they carry with them. That's what their gift outworks, is the vision that God's showing them. Jesus was known as as the great apostle and the great prophet. And he spoke and did what he saw and heard the Father do. So that the apostle and the prophet carry the the vision that God lays on their hearts. Uh, Is everyone with me? Am I confusing or no? (laughs) Okay, <laughs> um, in in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, we hear Paul talk about the fact that God gives the gifts and he gives the gifts first, the apostle, then the prophet. So the, the first gift given, the, the apostle, the second, the prophet. That's not talking about greatness in gift. They are equal gifts but given first. One is given first. You have to understand that, that that's given first. First, because there's a, there's a plan that God has, because that's the vision. It comes first through the apostle to plan. It is then backed up and re, reimbursed by the prophet. So we have a lot of... One of my biggest for struggles with the prophetic gift is a lot of guys won't... A lot of prophets or people who, who operate in the prophetic gifting won't settle themselves in one house because they want to spend time on their own to hear from God. And then they'll bring what they get from God there. But that's not the way God designed it. Because the the, the prophet was meant to back the apostle. So when the apostle cast the original vision, the prophet would then continue to cast that vision through the, the, the stories that God was showing him or her. So we see Paul talking about first the apostle, then the prophet. Because there's a need that God is giving them the vision, so they come first, then teaching And then I think it says gifts of healing, ministry, so on and so forth. The reason that it's done is because without the vision, the people will perish. Without understanding what God is doing, what God is placing in that place, there is no purpose for that church. So if we plant a church without an apostolic and a prophetic voice, there's no vision from God because there's no connection in that place being planted. I'm not going to get into churches that do that, but what I am going to say is that in this house, we are positioning ourselves to put in apostolic voices that we trust and can hear from. So what Mike brought last week was an apostolic voice and a hearing from God to position our church. Now, he doesn't just come and speak. We are speaking with him regularly to hear his voice and to hear what God is showing him. We trust that he is an apostle in this house and he hears from God. Now, I know that sounds odd that we put it all in that man, but I'm going to, get to, I'm going to get more as we go along. So he isn't the only voice that we have in, but what we see in Scripture is that God is saying the foundations of your church are based on the vision from God. Go with me to Matthew 16, verse 18. It's a very interesting verse. The, The... Um, the, the Catholic faith took this verse and, I believe, really twisted it and made it something that was then made this very interesting to understand. So Matthew 16:18 is Jesus speaking, and he says, "I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." So what the Catholic faith did was take Peter and make Peter their first saint, and I think he was the first Pope as well. Yes, okay. So, twisted that thing. That's not what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying that Peter was the foundation of the church. What gift did Peter carry? Apostolic, an apostle. That verse there, that, that word Peter, Peter's name, they changed Peter's name to Peter. And that word Petros means rock. He was the foundation, the rock, because of the gift that he carried, that apostolic gift. Jesus is saying, Peter, on your gift that apostolic gift, I'm going to build my church. Now, I want to go in and talk about Jesus saying, I will build in a moment, but just for a moment, I want us just to focus on this. Winnie, can you give me the first slide, please? It's already up, fantastic. So essentially what we have here is the first, is the foundation for the church. If you're a builder, I'm not. You have to lay a solid rock-like foundation in order to build on. Um, I did a little bit of building research so that I could understand this better, just for the record. I had, some, uh, I had some interesting Googles, I'll tell you what. <laughs> so Jesus, Jesus is not saying that the gift comes before him. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that, that the apostle gift is greater than the voice of Jesus. That's, that's also not what he's saying here. What he's saying is that the gift that God is, has put in you is his direct vision of which I want to build on. So the vision of God comes through that apostolic gift to which then Jesus can go, now it's the vision from my Father and watch what I can build. Okay, now I'm going to get... Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, I'm okay if you want to shout things out. If I don't answer you, then don't be offended. But um, I like a monologue. It's good. Dialogue, rather. Okay, so we have a, a foundation of rock built on the apostle and the prophet because that is the voice from God, the vision from God that's cast forward. So go with me now to Psalms 127. The very start of the psalm that David explains is that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to rest late, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sheep. It, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Now, we have David explaining the fact that if, if the Lord doesn't build the house, then the house won't be built well. It'll be a waste of our time. And then we have Jesus later say to the disciples, build, sorry, we have the disciples later explain Jesus' um, words and, and they say, build the house on the apostle and the prophet. So we get, okay, well, hang on a moment. How can how can Jesus then build if we don't have a foundation? So, So what it's saying there is that we have to understand that what does it look like for the apostle and the prophet for Jesus then in order to build? If there is no foundation, we cannot build anything. I know we're jumping around in the Bible a bit, but go with me to Matthew 7, 24, 27. Okay, so we get from, from Psalms, we understand that what David's saying is that if, if the Lord doesn't build the house, we're building in vain. Matthew 7, 24, 27. Everyone then that hears these words of mine and does not. When where Jesus was and when he was speaking in that time, the the dirt that they would that they were standing on in the summer it was so hot that the sand would bake would bake in the sun and form a rock like clay. So on looking on it and on walking on it, the sand that that they were standing on was rock like rock. So then what would happen? Because I wondered why it said the floods came. Surely the floods wouldn't rock the sand so much. But what it's saying is once the water comes, it dissolves the sand, the rock, and it becomes sand. The only person who knew that the ground wasn't good for building on was the builder. So as man, we go in to build something and we try and use our own hands and it looks like solid ground. But when the rains come, we don't realize that everything falls apart because it was actually sand. So what we need to then understand is that with our own hands, we're going to build something and think that it's the bee's knees and the cat's pajamas until the water comes and then everything falls apart. Because we're forgetting the the primary element, and that's the builder, that when they dig that ground, when they dig down into the ground and find that solid foundation, which is the vision from God, from that the apostle and the prophet, the, the vision of who God is, then the builder goes, okay, now we can build. So when, they, when, when Jesus is saying, actually, if you build on sand, we think, oh, well, don't build on sand. That's simple. Well, no, because if you don't have the vision from God, you're going to build on sand. It may look like rock and it may build like rock until the winds and the rain come and everything falls apart. <clears throat> I, I also want you to remember that, that, that the, the global and the local aspect and the scattered and the gathered aspect of the church. Just keep that in mind as we keep moving forward because I'm going to come back to that at the end. A building description of a cornerstone. I didn't know what a cornerstone was. I don't build many things. My brothers are the builders. They build incredible stuff. I couldn't build a chook hen if I had to, Um, chook pen. So I went into a bit of building uh, study to work out what in the world a cornerstone actually does. The basic most understanding description of a cornerstone I could get was this. The the cornerstone or foundation stone concept is derived from the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. Important since it's very important since all other stones will be set in reference to this stone thus determining the position of the entire structure. One stone. One stone can ruin the entire building. From a building perspective, I thought, oh my goodness. That's why there's so much time, there's so much structure that goes into building the high-rises that we see on one stone. If that's off, the building plummets. Go back with me to Ephesians 2.19. Build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophet, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God the spirit in whom the whole structure being joined together grows in the holy temple of the Lord you see we, we see this picture being drawn as Christ being that that tiny stone that if that's not there everything is missing at the start of this I was talking about the fact of what does it actually mean so many I mean any any believer, any Christian from any denomination will say, yes, Christ is the cornerstone. That's that's you, You're going to hear that everywhere you go. But what we have to begin to understand for ourselves is what does that actually mean? What does that mean in my life scattered when I'm at work, when I'm building my family, when I'm building a marriage? What does that mean when we're gathered, when we're here on a Sunday morning, when we're out to dinner on a Thursday night? What does that mean locally in this city? What does that mean for this nation and what does that mean for the nations? You see, we've got to we've got to take this concept of Jesus Christ being the cornerstone into every aspect of the church, scattered, gathered, local and global. Winnie, can you pop the next slide, please? So essentially we have this. I didn't do this, by the way. Jess made this look fantastic. Mine was much, much, much simpler and boring looking. Jess has made this look fun. Um, so essentially this is what we have. Simple, basic church. The vision of God is the foundation. The cornerstone, Jesus Christ, the primary stone of which we'll continue to build the entire structure. Jesus in, in the Bible, and I've, I didn't put it down, I found it and then didn't write it down on a goose, but Jesus in the Bible, and I'll get it for you, is, is I think it's Colossians one eighteen. Is, is called the head of the church. He's the head of the body. So what I want, I want to just do quickly is a, a simple understanding of a, of what the head does in the natural body and what the head does in the spiritual body, being the church. So the importance of, of Christ. So in the natural, on our human fleshly bodies, the head of the natural body is the seat of the mind, deciding control and direction Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Everything that we do is done through a a, a process that our mind takes place. Lift something up, walk, talk, everything is done through our head. So then in the spiritual body, in the church, Christ is the head of the spiritual body. Therefore, Christ is the brains, the mind of God, the director, and brings control, wisdom, and knowledge. Everything that we do as the church, again, in all four aspects, is done through the brain of the church, the head of the church, Christ. In the natural, the head makes decisions for the body. By thought of the head, every member, arms, legs, eyes, obeys and submits to the direction of the head. In the spiritual, every member of the body must be submitted to the head, which is Jesus, and obey his will and thought. In the natural, the head, the body, sorry, the head and the body takes care of feeding and watering the body, the nourishment that keeps us alive the church, the spiritual, the nourishment of this church comes from Christ. The reason we sing songs about Christ, the reason that we we study and we learn about Christ is because that's where our nourishment comes from. That's where we we are watered, that's where we begin to get our sustenance for life. In the natural, the the head of the the body holds the center of the nervous system, which connects the whole body to its sensitiveness. When you kick your toe, the pain runs all the way up your body and... And to your head. Without your head, there's no pain. Without your head, there's no messages being passed through. So in the spiritual Christ is a connection between the whole church through the Holy Spirit. His body needs to be to be sensitive to his spirit because the spirit is a connection between the head and the body. So the reason that we are so um, excited and, and keen to hear from the spirit is because that's how Jesus is connecting us to himself. That through his spirit. We are able to hear what he's saying, to see what he's doing, to walk with him and to hear the the very thing he wants us to do. So when you go into a church and they're crying out for the the Spirit of God, sometimes we think, oh, they're just looking for something. No, they're looking for the connection with Christ because that connection from the Holy Spirit is the the very um, pain receptors or the, the exciting receptors that run from our body to our head. That's the Holy Spirit. In the natural, the body needs the head to operate. Without the head, the body cannot and will not survive. In the spiritual, the body is incomplete without Christ and we build on sin causing um, definite destruction. Without Christ as the head of this church, we are wasting our time. But the next step, the next challenge I want to give us is what does it mean for Christ to be the head of the church? Winnie, can I see the next slide, please? Just like that. Simple. The cornerstone is placed. The very stone that makes the building rise or fall. The next stone that gets placed is mimicked off the stone before. The next stone mimicked off that stone which was mimicked off the stone before. So every time a stone is placed in the building of this church, every time there's, there's something else that's placed, we have to look back and go, is that? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. And what happens when you put one of those stones slightly off and keep building, the building falls over. That simple, one stone missing. But you know the beautiful thing about the cornerstone is that if all the structure falls over, the cornerstone's still there, so we start building again. The reason that the cornerstone is so vitally important is that if the cornerstone's not there and we build and fall over, we've got to work out where to start again. So then we start in the middle, it just gets messy. When the cornerstone goes down and it goes down well, we just keep building off that, one step at a time. What does that look like? Fantastic, let's build the next step. So every time in our life when we get to a place where we go, okay, I want to go into a new job. Okay, well, what, what have we built so far? Is it all in line with the cornerstone? Is what I'm doing in my life in line with the cornerstone that's been placed? And the moment you look back and go, that's not in line, tear it apart, start again, go back to the cornerstone. Every stone that we place in our workplace, in our jobs, in our, in our sporting teams, in our friendships, in our marriages, in our, in our parenting, what stone do we have in place of which we're building from? If it's not Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, and it's something else and it's something different in each part of our life, you step back from your building and you think, What in the world? What have I built? And the moment that sand comes, it falls over. Ever wonder why there's some people who can stand in the midst of the most terrible things and you think, How in the world are you still here and sane? How in the world are you in the midst of that storm, taking an absolute beating and you still smile, you're happy, everything's still with you, you're still a joy to be around. I honestly believe, earnestly believe that the reason that that happens is because they put the cornerstone down and they built according to that cornerstone. So the wind is blowing and rocking them, but they will not, will not and, and cannot move. Everything we do in this church, locally, globally, Gathered and scattered, we have to be building from a place that the cornerstone is, is, is the foundation of our life. Sorry, let me take that back. That the cornerstone is how we build from that. The foundation is the vision of God. That once that, once that vision goes down, okay, boom, this is where I feel God telling me to go. I feel God telling me to, to, to move into this workplace. Then I put the cornerstone down in that workplace. I feel God telling me to to buy a house and I put the cornerstone in that, in that place that in every aspect of our life, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of the church, us, is our vision for our, sorry, our um, motives for moving forward. And that's something that we are, are doing now with the church and the way that we are, uh, the the local church, sorry, the way that we are doing that in this house is that we are looking, okay, what, what are we building off the cornerstone, and what is it? If it's not being built off the cornerstone, we're removing it, because that's the way that, that the Bible explains church structure to be built. That everything we do is built on the vision of God and the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Fantastic. Do you guys just want to come back up for a moment. I don't want to. I, I don't want to get. <laughs> I don't want to get odd. I just want to do. I just want the guys to just come back up for a moment, and, and we're just going to worship. Um, for a little moment and sing this this song that we sang in worship. I hope this makes sense. I hope that 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 makes sense in in what we're doing in in our lives and in this church, locally, in the church, globally, gathered and scattered. I hope that this can begin to make sense for us, that the foundation that we lay down is, is carried from the apostle and prophet, is the vision that God has for us that Jesus Christ is our cornerstone and we continue to build off that cornerstone. So what I want us to do is I want us to go back into to worship for a moment and sing about Jesus Christ, the importance of that. But I'm going to ask a couple of the guys to come forward and just be, be ready for, for people to pray because I, I, I really feel like when I was in worship that there are people here that have been building off course and there's people here who have no idea who the cornerstone is and it hasn't been laid. So I, I wanna ask for for you guys to be bold enough to come forward and to to not because we're special or not because that we have some sort of prayer gift, but because it's a that walk that you that short walk that you make is a, is a testament to say, God, I want something to change. I don't know who you are, Jesus. I don't know who the cornerstone is. Or I've been building so far off course. I know who you are, Christ, but I haven't been building according to you. So I'm going to ask guys to come forward and and to receive prayer in that. And I want to challenge us in a way that this isn't just something that you've come for on Sunday to tick off your box. Allow this thing to grip you, challenge you. Go home and look into it. Go home and read into what I'm saying and say, is this is this guy crazy or is he actually onto something here? Because I could be either or. But allow the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ the cornerstone to you so that we can begin to build this local house and build this global church based on the structure that Christ gave us. So why don't you stand? I'm just going to pray and then we're just going to go into some worship. father we just thank you so much god father we thank you that you you forgave your son in order to bring us into a place father of righteousness with you god that you plan all of who we are father that you know our our very desires father god you know every need that we have father lord i pray that for this for this local house father that That we build according to your cornerstone that Jesus we build according to you whatever that looks like father i pray for every heart here lord god every person that's that's here for something to be in a, in a to, in a place for such a time as this father that that you begin to grip their heart right now holy spirit and lead them in a, into a place where they can see who you are christ and they can build exactly as you're asking them to build. Just thank you, Father. Just thank you so much, God.